On today's show, it's been a whole while, but we're bringing back the mailbag. Questions include Halloween takes, candy takes, Padres pitching rotation, whether or not their end of streak run with their offense is legit, bad contracts, all sorts of things. Straight from you, the listeners and viewers. Let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, October 20th. Oh, what a lovely day. Oh, what a lovely day. For many reasons. For many reasons. For anyone who follows me, you know why I'm excited for today. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, where I tweet exclusively about the Padres stuff over there, where you can also find my mailbag prompts for today's episode that is very relevant. And then also go check out Lockdown Padres on YouTube. To see my fit today, rocking a Green Day shirt, because that's what one must do when it's a great day. You know what I mean? Um, today's episode, guys, we are doing a mailbag. You sent me. I've been I've been posing this question for a while, and I posted for a while because I hadn't I haven't done a mailbag in a while. I think the last mailbag I did was for like my 400th episode or something like that. I haven't done one in a really long time, and I'm planning on trying to do more of them. I think this off season, I'd like to hear from you guys, listeners, more. Um, try to get this fun Friday thing going. And a lot of you sent in a bunch of great questions. So this is really a lot of fun. So remember, next time I put this up, just look out for the Twitter. If Just check the pinned tweet every once in a while. Um, I'm trying to do at least maybe one every three weeks or so, maybe like once a month, I think would be really fun, especially over the off season, when basically all we can do is ask questions. So again, um, keep those questions in mind, whatever they are. And there are some questions today that aren't strictly baseball and I was excited about those but we're gonna get into it and I also want to say if I if you sent me a question I got them from a variety of different sources so it's possible I like lost them in the confusion since they weren't all in the reply to a tweet so keep that in mind and just DM me my personal account on Twitter and then I'll be sure to answer it on next show like maybe Monday right anyway let's get into it starting things off with my good old longtime buddy at J underscore L-A-N-D-I-I, Glenn Otto Apologist, my man Josh, who I met at the Nationals game from, what, two years ago now? My gosh. Um, Who happened to be there. His question is, do you think that the big run at the end of the season was a sign of guys starting to mesh, or do you think it was just a run of luck against bad teams? Seemed like there was a lot of positive reports in the clubhouse, but winning will do that. Do you think they can carry this into next season, and hopefully the next 10, because of contracts, and have it be sustainable? So... This is a great question, and because part of this is, and thank you for the question, of course, Josh. Uh, part of this is, I think it was a run of luck against bad teams, and I think that another part of it was they couldn't, with the amount of talent that the Padres had, they had to rattle off a streak at some point. Um, frankly, like even your worst teams, and you know, even I imagine the Royals like rattled up like a five-game win streak at some point. So I think it's that. But more so, I think that one of the reasons why they played better, because they did play better in the second half, and they did have, like, I remember July, I think they had the best record of any team in baseball. I think a reason for that that I could come up with off the top of my head is that, one, Blake Snell started catch getting really, really hot and started his Cy Young bid, and also that a lot of bats 
at bats were taken away from guys that were just like, like what, why are they? They're like players that should not be getting uh, consistent at bats. So guys like Matt Carpenter, guys like Austin Nola, guys like Runette Odor, guys like Nelson Cruz. I think the fact that those guys were no longer on the team, maybe that helped a little bit in easing things. The fact that they had to actually think about who they were using at DH, and not to mention the moves of the deadline, right? Like they were, I know that they weren't all super successful like G-Man Choi, but having a guy like Garrett Cooper in there, you saw was infinitely better than giving at bats to all the aforementioned players. So I think that's what it was. Um, can they carry it into next season? Of course they can, because they have all these players on these. It sh they should carry it into next season. So thank you again for the question, Josh, because that is a good observation. And it's just a taste of how this offense should play. Uh, routinely, in my opinion, anyway, is the way that they played, uh, especially in the second half, maybe July uh, in particular. So hopefully they do that next year. My next question coming from my main man, this one also via DM on Twitter, and I'm going to butcher your name again. We message a lot. Um, me, Mint Bong on Twitter, my Australian friend um, on Twitter at yes, this is yet. Um, on Twitter. Very funny header, by the way. I don't know what the heck that is with a statue looking at a phone. Uh, my guy says, thoughts on postseason format. Yeah, the new postseason format. Um, so I want, I'm going to link in the description of this podcast an article that I wrote for Just Baseball recently on this. I'm going to sum it up quickly, uh, but for those curious about like more of the specifics, um, I wrote it in the article at Just Baseball. Again, I'm going to link it in the show description. Um, basically, I put it down to a few points. Number one, uh, I feel like the Braves are just crying and the Braves fans are annoying. I just think that it's really hard to get people to empathize with you when you have extra time. And that somehow is now a bad thing, right? So I was just not on board with that whatsoever. I thought it was silly. I thought it was childish and just frankly just spoiled. And I, I just thought it was dumb. Like and in so many ways. Um, and on top of that, it was after game one that people were complaining, right? That's a big thing. Right? Like, are you kidding me? Number two, guys, when has baseball ever been, or not even baseball, any sport? Is that why you watch sports? Because you want the team that finished first and the other team that finished first to always make the finals and there never be upsets? Isn't that why we like March Madness? Isn't that why we like sports? Is that once you get into the dance, you have a reasonable shot, at a, or at least, you know, per passing one round at least. I just think that's weird. If you want predictability, go what go, I don't know, guess what the Oscar best pictures are because trust me, it's very easy to guess what will be a nominee like every year or go watch a Dallas Cowboys playoff game, something like that. So those are my big reactions to it. And then also they're new, um, the rules. Uh, too limited of a data set for us to start thinking that we need to change the rules or anything when it's only been two years. Um, this it's in a similar vein to, I don't know if people might remember, but two seasons ago, there was a run on no hitters. And I remember Wade Miley was the one that threw one and everyone was like, this is out of control. Something's wrong with hitters. And then it never, it didn't happen again. Right? Like we didn't have nearly that many no hitters. So sometimes don't overreact to something in a small sample size because it might, it might even out over time and it might just be a hilarious coincidence that things are happening all at once. So that's my take on the format. I like it. I like having three game series for the wild card. I like that there's more, at least one more team in there. Um, I don't love it as much because I think it may discourage teams from spending, but one extra team I think is okay. And otherwise, I think they're fine. Let's give it more time. If years from now, every one seed keeps losing every single year, then we can talk. Um, similar to how the Eagles have that uh, in football have like the tush push thing, the, the brotherly shove. Until I see more than just one team, the Eagles doing it, 
you can't ban it. Otherwise, it just looks dumb and it looks like you're complaining about not being as good. Um, so that's it for just the DM questions. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, we're not even close to done yet. Believe you me, we're not even close to done yet. But, but, because today is such a special day, I want to take a second and take a quick break to talk about an oh-so-special sponsor, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the good folks over at Jace Medical, folks. Let me tell you, uh, Jace has you covered, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Um, it's really hard these days. You know, you've got a plenty of, you know, there's fires, there's all sorts of natural disasters going around. People, you, we just had a pandemic. It's just hard to get reliable, life-saving medications, and thankfully, Jace Case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five, sorry, five, not four, not three, not two, not one, five essential antibiotics that treat most common and deadly bacterial infections. It's really good, guys. Jace Medical now offers customi customizability. Also, for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications, choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Very cool. Let you customize it. It's not just five random ones. Don't worry. All you need to do is go on the website, check out. You hop on a call with one of their licensed medical professionals and they'll help you out figure out what you need. Um, Jace is continually working to expand their medication offerings. In those recent efforts, they added Ivermectin as an option in the Jace case. There's all sorts of stuff. Got gift cards you can get. You got to buy a gift card for your family or your loved ones. You just, they got you covered over here. So go to jacemedical.com and enter code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at Jace Medical. That's J A S E Medical. Dot com. And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Let me tell you, go check us out on SiriusXM. Uh, and also remember when the season starts up for your play-by-play -play broadcast of your hometown Padres. And thank you for making us your first listen every day. I appreciate it. During these during these quiet times, during this, these quiet off-season times outside the playoffs, you know? Um, let's continue talking, folks. Now we get into some even more uh, beefy questions. Believe me. Believe me. This one coming from Elijah Evans on Twitter, at ElijahEV8. What does the opening day rotation look like? That was also brought up uh, multiple times with Rama Murdy also, who asked me three questions in one, and his question also partially had to do with what I think the starting rotation is next season. Um, wow. I mean, this is this is like pretty huge because the Padres were excellent uh, starting pitching-wise, and no one saw it coming. Uh, not no one saw it coming, but a lot of people did not. There were some early, I remember, like articles on Pitcher List and whatnot that thought that if you go by Stuff Plus, that the Padres actually were going to be really good with pitching this year. So hopefully, uh, hey, maybe we should look at Pitcher List next year. Maybe they might predict it. But other than that, most people didn't expect them to be this good, especially the back end of the rotation. What I see happening for sure is keeping one of Michael Waka or Seth Lugo. And I think the likely option would be Michael Waka because there's a club option, right? So you bring him back for, I believe it's around $16.5 million um, next year. I'm going to check that really quickly. Um, but I believe it is a club action for about $16.5 next year. Let's see here. I just want to make sure I get that right. Uh, it's $16 million. Okay, so not $16.5, it's $16 million. And while that would be that would be more than I think someone like Seth Lugo might make per year, maybe a little bit more, 
Um, as I brought up many times before, hey, if a guy like Steven Matz can get a contract, Seth Lugo is absolutely going to opt out and get a multi-year deal. He pitched well enough this year. He converted to a starting pitcher better than I think most expected. And I think that he'd be the less likely of the two options. So that would be Waka, Musgrove, and Darvish. Um, I do not think that Blake Snell is coming back this year. I think if you read the tea leaves, everything from the post that his girlfriend makes about saying how they're going to miss San Diego or to just the in general vibes of the Padres and how they already have so many big contracts given out. I don't think it's happening. It's a shame, but also I get it. Um, I've also voiced my concern with potentially extending a player like Snell long-term in the case of the Padres because they have so many guys signed long-term. I think that they just go bargain bin hunting uh, for the most part, but there are some interesting free agents. So while yes, they are going to lose Snell, do not don't don't freak out. You know what I mean? Don't freak out exactly because there's actually some really interesting pitchers, I think, for this offseason um, that you can get for back-end deals, right? I think that you can get some players that, while they're not going to excite anybody, I think there's plenty of options out there. I think that, heck, if you want to take a shot again, look, we all love Ruben Niebla. You know what I'm saying? We love Ruben Niebla. If you want to go for a Carlos Carrasco, who is a player that Niebla has experience working with, with his time in Cleveland, I could see that as a fifth starter. Martin Perez, Julio Arias, probably not actually because he had that recent uh, situation occur, so probably not him. Um, Sonny Gray would probably be like one of the big options that you can get. Um, Lucas Giolito, I'm not personally all that interested in. Michael Lorenzen feels like a Padre. You know what I mean? And if they want to get younger, a player like Tyler Malley, who's not incredible, but he's had some success for four, you could probably get him for very little. Kenta Maeda, if you want to just get someone who's had some big games before, particularly in the postseason, I remember him having a couple games, that could be an option. <laughs> if they want to bring Julio Serrat, I think that'd be funny. But I think that's that's what I think for the first three. And I think that they get one of these pitchers. I'm not exactly sure who, but I would love if they took a flyer on someone like Montas or Severino because when they were healthy, they were really good, um, particularly Severino. Severino, this might be an East Coast bias because, of course, I live on the East Coast, but there's something about watching him pitch that I just can't get out of my head. You know, the guy has such a just a, 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 a fire to him when he's on that's pretty irresistible um, in a lot of ways. So I would be very interested in him as well. I think it's just going to be two guys like that. I think they're going to do a situation similar to what they did heading into this year. Um, but maybe, maybe hold out hope for a guy like maybe Sonny Gray uh, to be like a decent um, add on. I know Jordan Montgomery is going to be getting a lot of offers too, but I just see guys like that. I see guys who have been. Like Martin Perez, um, while he wasn't there when Preller was part of Texas, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Preller just wants to bring everyone from Texas because that's what he keeps doing, right? So that is kind of the rotation, but it's really early. And not also not to mention, don't sleep on the Padres maybe being a little bit bullish on some of their pitching prospects like Robbie Snelling, maybe even Matt Waldron, right? Matt Waldron, not Michael Waldron. Get it right. I keep getting it mixed up with the Loki writer. Matt Waldron, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. Um, if you bring that guy in and yeah, so we're going to have to see, but it's those three for sure. I'd be very surprised if they don't bring Michael Waka back, especially considering that they're probably losing Snell. That's what I would expect. Um, but thank you for the question, Elijah. Now moving on to the aforementioned, uh, Rama Murdy, rest of his questions. He asks at Rama underscore Murdy on, on Twitter. What do the Padres do with Trent Grisham for 2024? How does Jackson Merrill figure into the roster as well? Um, Grisham. I think those two questions go hand in hand. Um, I think that depending on what they do with Grisham could signal 
that they might be ready to bring up Jackson Merrill. Remember, back in August, or probably before that, there was a report that was saying basically that the Padres were interested in calling up Jackson Merrill towards the end of the year. And I think that that was one part desperation and two parts just the Padres showing that they have this inclination to promote their prospects very quickly, whether it be C.J. Abrams, whether it be Luis Campizano, whether it be, um, you, you know, there's other examples out there that I don't have off the top of my head. Tatis, it worked out in the case of Tatis, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jackson Merrill is at least, maybe not necessarily the starting center field, but in a little bit of a timeshare, and that's my biggest thing. Um, I do not want to see Trent Grisham, if they keep him and say they decide, you know what, he's a good defender, and our thing is we just want to have good quality players. We want some depth, and we don't like the options out there on the market in terms of trading. I could totally understand keeping him, but starting him every day for what would be now the fifth year, if I'm not mistaken. So it's 20, 21, 22, 23. It would be the fifth year that you just give basically a monopoly at that position in center field. That would be my number one thing I wouldn't want to see. If you don't call it Merrill, that's fine. I'm totally cool with waiting on him. If you... Bring, bring in a, another player, just make sure it's a nice timeshare. I don't want to see Grisham playing 90% of the games in center field. Like, that's just too much, and he hasn't shown anything offensively. And, in fact, his defense was a little bit worse this year if you go by defensive run average and um, outs above average. So Or defensive run saved and outs above average. So that's just me. But, again, I think they go hand in hand, and if he does well in spring training, if we get good vibes, he could be out there. We saw it. He literally just saw it with C.J. Abrams, even though they had a player that was in Hassan Kim who was capable of playing the position. So that's what I see coming. Another question from my man Elijah at Elijah EV8 on Twitter. What are three absolutely essential things that need to happen for the Padres to contend for the World Series in 2024? Whew. Three absolutely essential things. Number one. My man Elijah. You know what it is? Number one. Um, just hit with runners in scoring position, man. I mean, that was obvious from this season. I would say that, and I'd say to avoid this offseason, to avoid some of those journeyman, I don't want to say journeyman, like old veteran players that are just more name value than actual value at this point. So a good example might be off the top of my head. I think you'd have to look at bats. I think bats would better be an example of just these guys that are a little bit more name brand than whatnot than actually like what their value is. I think a player maybe maybe like Charlie Morton a tiny bit, but he's got a club option. Um, let me see here. Let's see here. What's he building? I think Jack Flaherty would be a little bit of a mistake. I know he's not old and he's not a veteran, but that guy like just frankly I I just. I don't think he has it. Uh, I just don't. I think that his arm's pretty messed up. Um, Jack Peterson is actually kind of interesting, interesting there. Um, but like, for example, like I don't want them to bring in a player like Brandon Crawford. I don't want a player like Randall Grichik. You know what I mean? Although he's not too uh, guys. There's a lot of interesting players. Re like when you look at the spot track and whatnot, there's a lot of interesting players like that are free agents and whatnot. Really intriguing players. Really intriguing. I wonder if the Twins would decline the club option for Polanco. Probably not. Probably not. But I would say avoid name value. So I don't... Basically, here's what I want. I don't want a Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, uh, Robinson Cano situation. That's what I don't want. Get creative. Don't just bring in guys that are has-beens and have only been showing declines lately. That'd be my second thing. And then third thing, 
Um, let's see here. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Soto. Um, whether it is a trade, if they want to trade him, it should be now because you get to maximize your value, get more from him. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Soto too. We got some more questions on him. Um, or you extend him, you get, you make it backloaded. That way there's still the potential to win now. Need to figure out what you're doing with Soto. You need, you need to figure it out because this has just become like a little bit of a giant disaster considering how good he is and how much you gave up. So I'd say those are the three things. Hit better with runners in scoring position for crying out loud. Number two, um, don't bring in like washed up veterans or anything like that that are just name value instead of actual value. And then the last one um, that I mentioned, which is Juan Soto. But also another case to be made for just the leaving everybody to do their job. AJ Preller, don't be micromanaging too much. I don't like how many reports we keep getting that this is interfering with the product. So, or the team, I shouldn't say product, um, the team. So that'd be my thing. Thank you for the question, Elijah. And we're still going, ladies and gentlemen, we're still going. I mean, I'm not even close to done, let me tell you. Mm. Oh, and the next ones are actually really, really fun. And speaking of which, since we were just talking about Soto, at Corellia's Ghost on Twitter, at ComradeLSD21, if Juan Soto is traded to another organization, which organization would line up best to best satisfy the needs of the Padres roster? I like the Mariners as a trade partner. And sir, that is correct. The Mariners are the team. I would also like to nominate the Cleveland Guardians, who I think are really interesting because that team is dying. For offense, the Mariners need some offense too. They had a little bit of a step back this year in terms of guys like um, Tiasco Hernandez didn't do too much for them. Um, Ty France didn't do too much for them. Um, a tiny bit from their catcher, um, Cal Rally, but for the most part, like they're and Eugenio Suarez. So they took a step back and they have a crap ton of pitching. So if the Padres wanted to say, I would love this, if they said, let's take a flyer on like Frankie Montez or one of these these average pitchers. And then if they have to, if they trade Juan Soto for, say, you know, a, a, a Bryce Miller, maybe Emerson Hancock, Robbie, something, maybe not Robbie Ray because he's got a big deal. But, you know, some combination of that. You could also get, maybe we bring back our boy Andres Muniz, beef up that bullpen a little bit. Bullpen is a little bit of a problem, especially if we if there's a little bit of worry about Robert Suarez and the contract they just gave him. But the Mariners with Castillo, Gilbert, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, George Kirby, with all those pitchers on top of Robbie Ray hopefully coming back for them next year, that's a perfect partner. And I also think the Guardians for basically the same thing. The difference is the Guardians might be more inclined because they're like, they haven't had, they, they really don't have offense. I mean, they were heinous offensively. They scored like one game a year. That one one running one run one run a year. They were terrible. Uh, they even had to, they have to offload Josh Josh Bell and all that. The only thing with the Guardians is I'm not sure how much they're ready to commit to now. I think the Mariners would be more likely to. But if you went with the Guardians, Logan Allen, Tristan McKenzie. I love McKenzie. I love his energy. I think that'd be a great kind of player to have on the team. And then maybe you just get bring back Josh Naylor as part of the package. Maybe you throw in Trevor Steffen. Um, Shane Bieber has been on the market. So if you were to trade, it seems like the teams that make the most sense are pitcher um, loaded teams, uh, which is which makes the most sense. Um, obviously, because that would be the more of a question of concern. If you're going to put things up to chance, you should probably bet on the Padres and their players playing better next year. But if you leave the pitching up to chance, that I could see regressing um, while the offense may regress to the average of what they should be doing. So that would be my two teams, the Guardians and the Mariners. Thank you, Sir Comrade Corellia. 
Thank you so much for that question. But guys, we still got more. We still got more. We still got plenty of questions and some fun ones too, uh, for sure, to close out this Friday Spectacular. But first, before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to you about our good buddies, the classic buddies, the goats, dare I say. And don't be confused by thinking that this is boring just because they're called sleeper because they're not. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the MLB playoffs, they are here, and you've still got stars. You got Harper. You got Corbin Carroll. You got, hold on, you got Altuve. You got Justin Verlander. You got um, Max Scherzer. You got Jordan Montgomery. You got Simeon. You got Seager. You got Adolis Garcia. There's so many players, ladies and gentlemen. And over at Sleeper, they give you the chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. It's never been better. And let me tell you, let me tell you guys. They're great. And what I love about them as well, anything you want. Over, under on hits, walks, doubles, triples, strikeouts, uh, a hit by pitch. Maybe not hit by pitch, but walks, you know, total bases, whatever you want. They can help you out there. And it's really cool. You can make them in under a minute. Like, it's really fast. You don't have to worry about, like, spending too much time making all these, uh, placing all of your your picks uh, for Daily Fantasy. And you can win up to 100 times your money, like I already mentioned. And also... I love the chat functionality, and I love using them for fantasy football. Currently using them for my league. Everyone yelled at me, my longtime league. And then we switched to Sleeper, and not a peep, because it's great. All these quality of life changes, three-team trades, changing your team photo to whatever you want, not just some preset stuff, um, just player history, all sorts of great things. So Sleeper, we love you all so much. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for detail. Remember, locked on, $100 match on your first deposit. Go check it out. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, on Mailbag Palooza. A little bit of a Chunky Boy episode today, but that's what happens when you get a lot of questions. Um, as always, of course, thank you for making us your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. The next question... Ladies and gentlemen, comes from my man, my main man, Massachusetts on Twitter. Favorite Padre of all time. A simple but very important question. As you all know, I have not been a fan of the Padres longer than most, right? Like, I have not been um, following the team as much. There are some players that are obvious. It's easy to say Tatis. It's easy to say Kim and Machado. Right, it's easy to say those guys. Frankly, Blake Snell's up there. What Will Myers, the hero, the the cult hero. Honestly, Will Myers might be one of my favorites because my first year covering the team, and I knew him for a long time, and it was such an unexpected season. And the fact I know that it wasn't like all that crazy legit. It didn't translate to the next year, but he was so clutch. Right, and I'm not kidding. You can look up his clutch stats on Baseball Reference. So many home runs. I love that him and Tatis broke a record. I think it was it was against the Cardinals in that Game Three of their Wild Card series, where it was like the first time that two teammates, like a duo, had two home runs together in the same game. Myers had such immaculate vibes, and I loved you know him. You know what was it? Buying everybody drinks at the bar afterwards. The fun picture of him thumbs up at a Taco Bell or whatever. He was great. Some other nominees though, Seth Smith. Oh, yeah, a little bit of deep cut. I know Seth Smith is up there because 
it was just so randomly funny how this guy was like the best player on the team once. He was a legit decent at bat. And looking back, I wish they had him on the team now because that is the type of bat that I wish that the Padres had. Just someone who's solid and gets things done. For those who don't remember, this one year with the Padres, he was really, really solid. I believe it was, was it 20? It was 2014. He had a 800 OPS. Seth Smith, man, he wasn't a bad hitter. I'm surprised he didn't last a little bit longer uh, because he had a really great walk rate. 266, 367, 440 slash line. Probably didn't help that he didn't hit for much power. Um, that's probably the big thing, but I got love for Seth Smith. Some other nominees, Everett Cabrera because the, the or not Everett Cabrera. I'm sorry. Who am I thinking of? Uh, I just, I, I lost it. I lost it. I like Tyson Ross. I know that he just kind of imploded after two seasons, but I really liked him when he was there. Um, I'd also say, as a cheat, you could say Ricky Henderson. <laughs> as a cheat code, I could say Ricky Henderson, but I'd say that two that are very me would be Seth Smith and Will Myers, um, as some guys that I just really love and had a weird affection for um, in a lot of ways, um, for sure. And again, I don't know back in the day. I don't know about the Goose Gossage days nearly as much. I wasn't around. I don't even think I was following baseball yet when Adrian Gonzalez was on the team or guys like Khalil Green, who I know a lot of people like. Players like that. Trevor Hoffman, same thing. Um, Tony Gwynn, same thing. So that's why I'm going to say those guys. Not a cliche answer for you all. That's what that's what you guys come for. Not too many cliches. Next question from my man at Jack underscore McMullen 11 on Twitter. On a scale of one to 10, do you like the Padres? Uh, one, I hate the Padres. That's why I host the podcast on them every day. Uh, but in all seriousness, I can't say I'm as big of a Padres fan as the rest of you. So I'll say a nine to be kind. You know what I mean? But in terms of how much I sometimes hate them, like an 11 out of 10. My Lord, it, it's a nightmare sometimes. Let me tell you. And speaking of being a nightmare sometimes, at the Fade King 23 Young Stepper, <laughs> great Twitter name, asks, what's more painful, being a Padres fan or a Chargers fan? Um, huh. So I'm not going to talk too much about the Chargers because people will get very mad at me, but I will say that there are two things that can go for, for this question. Number one, I've been a Chargers fan longer than I have been a Padres fan, and they break my heart in new different ways every year. So the fact that they've been doing it for long is a point for them. Padres, I haven't been a fan of as long. I haven't seen them through the bad years. But I'm going to go with the Padres. And you know why? Because the Chargers, and again, guys, don't get mad at me, they're at least consistently good, and they've never been bad. And if you're a fan of football, and you're a fan of, say, the New York teams in my area, I, at least as a Chargers fan, have never known what it's like to not have a good quarterback or have a quarterback question. It's never happened. And don't listen to the slanderers on Justin Herbert. They frankly, just don't know how football works. Um, it, 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 like, seriously. Uh, it's just don't know how football works. Oh, Tua has this and that. And Herbert broke, like, every record in history the first two years. But anyway, that's why I would say that. But it's really, really close. Because I have literally cried over the Chargers before. When I was in middle school, I believe the seventh grade. They lost to the Jets in the playoffs once. But anyway, that would be my answer. Moving on from the Chargers, though, I talked a little bit too much about them. My apologies. Also from Young Stepper. <laughs> Such a great name. Halloween candy power rankings. I heard you would rank candy corn number one. Eyes emoji. Well, I don't know where you heard that. All right. I don't know where you heard that. That being said, I do got a little bit of love for candy corn. And this is one of those takes. Guys, I will defend everything I've said on this podcast within reason. I will not defend that I am a little bit of a proponent for candy corn. It makes you hate yourself the more you have it. But those initial bites 
just getting a crap ton of sugar, sometimes it works. I think once in a while. And also, I think another thing with candy corn is, and I know that this is like anecdotal and doesn't actually contribute to the taste and the nutrition or whatever, but the vibes, the look of candy corn just makes me happy. I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. It's such a bad opinion. It is. It's a terrible opinion. It's just sugar. It makes you hate yourself the more you eat it. I'm not kidding. You're just like, this is just dumping sugar in your mouth. It's not good. Um, so that would be a thing. But in terms of other favorite candies, basically anything Reese's I'm a fan of. Sour Patch Watermelon, absolutely banging. Um, I have heard through the grapevine that like they maybe changed their recipe what a friend of mine said so i'll have to look into that i'd say that as well there's a really good popcorn by the, a brand called gold gold emblem i believe that i've been obsessed with lately i know that's not necessarily candy but you get my point um twizzlers i can never fully form an opinion on but they just kind of get the job done it's like if you don't want to have something too sugary and insane like a giant reese's peanut butter cup or a giant snickers or laffy taffy or airheads whatever not bad I will also say Swedish fish. I know I'm giving some weird examples today, guys, but Swedish fish are up there as well as Snickers for me. Um, I don't know. I just really like those. Uh, so I'll say Reese's, Sour Patch Watermelon, Swedish fish, and then I'll close things out with Snickers. Those would be my four. Those would be my four. Although, shouts to Twix. Shouts to Milky Way. Shouts to those. I love it when I was a kid and... Frankly, every now and then now, uh, like when you get like the, the little ones, like the little like munchkin sized ones. And it's like you get a, a nice package that comes with all three from Snickers to Milky Way to Musketeers. That's a one. That's a one. So that would be my Halloween candy rankings. Last question comes from at Uncle Drew at Uncle underscore Drew 97 on Twitter. He says, if you were to offload one of our long term contracts, which one would it be? Also, what's your top five power rankings? Of Halloween movies. Oh, now you're speaking my language. A little pop culture and Padres. This is an interesting question. Because part of this... So there, there's two options here. Two options here. In my opinion, it's... And it has almost nothing to do with how we played this year. That'd be Xander Bogarts. And then the other one would be Jake Cronenworth. Xander Bogarts is an excellent player. The only reason I'm saying this is because they have Hassan Kim. They, had, they have Tatis. I know he's done well in the outfield, but... Just because there's a little bit of a glut there. The fact that they're already wondering and rumoring if maybe you move him to first base. That way you could put Cronenworth back in the infield. I just think him being there creates some problems with what they want to do potentially. And what free agents they could bring in. Um, that one's close. I would also say Cronenworth though. And the reason I'm going to say Cronenworth is because as a notion, as a always a philosophy, I don't like extending um, utility players for more than like five years. I just don't like doing that. Um, you're not gonna. You're most of the time. You're not gonna get your Ben Zobrist. You're not gonna have a guy who's consistently great for like a decade. They just feel like players that you can replicate. You know what I mean? They feel like players that, while they aren't, while how do I put this? I just think that you can find that value from utility players. I think you can get it easier than you can other positions, other sluggers, other. Whatever. I just think that you can find them. You know, even, even, and I said long time ago, I thought that like Brad Miller would have been a decent holdover until guys like CJ Abrams and Hassan Kim were there, right? So I, I would do that because I also think it's created a problem because Jake Cronenworth has gotten worse every year. And don't get me wrong, his contract in terms of the years, 
Um, is it great, the seven years? The average annual value is not a problem at all, but I just don't like having this guy that you're locked into for seven years that is a utility player that's only gotten worse every year. So I'm going to lean that way, um, as well as Darvish. I love you, Darvish. I just don't know why they did that contract. So I'm going to say from ordering the three that I would think about if I would eliminate contracts, number one would be Cronenworth, number two would be Darvish, and number three would be Bogarts. Very low. I just think Bogarts is going to be better. You can't judge a contract year one, especially for a guy who has been a star before. Cronenworth getting worse every year. And then Darvish into your 40s when I don't know what the bidding war was going to be for him. That's my question. Who were you bidding against when you did that? Did you think he was going to be excellent again, and that's why you didn't want to lose him? Because even then, teams weren't going to give him a six-year deal. So uh, it just feels really ill-advised Ill uh, for them to have done that. And I'm not saying, and by the way, I still would have said this if he had a decent season. Because my thing would have been, I just don't know who you were bidding against to pay this guy until his 40s. He's possible he ages well. He is you, Darvish. But that'd be my thing. Um, and then the last thing, Halloween movies. Um, I didn't take this question as the actual, like the Halloween franchise with Jason, uh, not Jason, with Michael Myers. That's not how I took it. I just took at it, took it as like a fall movies slash movies that you watch during the October season. So like scary, spooky stuff. Um, that's how I took it. My five would be in not really any particular order. Coco, just a banger. Day of the Dead inspired. Um, in general, Harry Potter movies, especially in particular the first four, I find to be very like fall kind of vibes. Um, the fifth one a little bit, but and I will say that Prisoner of Azkaban is also my favorite of all the Harry Potter movies, so that would be number one. That's so what I'd say. Um, Coco, Prisoner of Azkaban. I really like the movie Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. It's not really Halloween vibes, but it's a spooky, it's a scary movie about this kid who's been... Uh, placed under house arrest and he's just like it's basically a poorer modern version of rear window the classic with jimmy stewart if you've ever seen that um so that would be on there um et technically a little bit halloweeny i love the scene when they're walking around with him and he's hiding in the ghost thing and then yoda's looking at him like some kid so that went a little bit and then the last two for top that absolutely have to do with it first halloween it's a masterpiece it's an accidental masterpiece one of the best like profitable movies ever, literally. Like they made that movie for like 75K and it grossed like 800, you know what I mean? Like a hundred million dollars, just insane. It launches Jamie Lee Curtis's career, changes the game. Shouts to John Carpenter, absolute masterpiece, always worth watching during the Halloween season. And my personal number one, a little bit of a shocker, Happy Death Day. I love this movie. I'm a sucker for time loop things. This movie's that, Jessica Roth, is way overqualified with the performance she gives in this movie. It's a weirdly comforting movie. I don't know. The sequel isn't too bad either. But Happy Death Day. It's fun, and I never get tired of the time loop stuff. Um, and then some honorable mentions. There's this movie called Between Worlds I recommend you guys watching. It's not really scary. It's super dumb. One of the worst movies you'll ever watch, and you're going to love it. Trust me. With Nicolas Cage, go check that out. Um, really dumb thing. It has nothing to do with movies. There's a mission in the video game Bully, Halloween Night. And it's incredible. It's like when the game really starts kicking off and it's great. Um, Haunted House. There's this old animated movie. No idea if it's still good. Watched it as a kid. Over the Garden Wall. It's a TV series. I believe it's on Apple. Go watch that. Beautiful. It's not scary. It's just just really good Halloween vibes. You know what I mean? Really good fall vibes. 
And in Fantastic Mr. Fox a little bit, it gives me a fall vibe, even though that's not necessarily the point of it. It just feels like a movie for the fall, probably because of the orange sort of aesthetic. But that would be it, guys. E.T., Coco, Disturbia, Prisoner of Azkaban, Halloween, and then my main Happy Death Day that I might actually watch after I'm done recording this. Maybe, maybe not after I'm recording it. I'm going to be playing Spider-Man. But anyway, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. A little bit of a chunky boy today, given the mailbag prompt. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. I'm going to put out and solicit more mailbag uh, opportunities in the near future. That should be a lot of fun. Um, probably starting next month, I'll do one of those. And I imagine I might get Thanksgiving-related questions. Totally cool with that. Um, and yeah. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. In terms of the future of this show, we're going to be talking about five of the biggest questions for the Padres offseason later next week. We're also going to be talking about Trevor Bauer next week, if he's a potential guy to recruit. We're going to be talking about the five traps for Padres fans to not fall for this offseason. That's going to be next week as well. And, I don't know, some other stuff. Oh, wait. We got more player reviews to do. We got to talk about Snell. We got to talk about Musgrove, Cronenworth, Carpenter, G-Man Choi. Shouts to my guy who keeps commenting that he wants a player review for G-Man Choi. Uh, Got all sorts of stuff to talk about, guys. Don't worry. It's just getting started. And until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.